So we've been teaching on foundations. We've been teaching on foundations, and I think many of you are enjoying the series, aren't you? All right. And today I want to talk about renewing the mind. Renewing the mind. When you look at us as believers, when you look at our vision as a church, our vision is basically to do with transforming the thinking of generations, isn't it? Transforming the thinking of generations. Go is a movement. Where is it? Go is a movement of God-honoring believers progressively discipling nations by communicating and demonstrating the kingdom of God. Our vision is to help people to think kingdom. That's our vision, to help people to think kingdom. And how many of you know that the process of getting people there is renewal of the mind? It's one thing to be born again. It's another thing to be sanctified. It's very interesting when you look at the word holy in scripture. I've taught this before. It's the word hagios. But when you look at the word sanctify, it's the word hagiazo. And that process of sanctification, that process of becoming holy, is a process that requires the renewal of the mind. So this is the work of Christianity. Amen. Everything we're doing, everything we're doing when we preach sermons, when we disciple you, when we read the word, we're doing it so that our minds are renewed. Now, what does that word renew actually mean? It means basically to restore. It's basically to start afresh. It's basically to do with to make new again. Right? Do you remember what Adam's mind was like? Has it ever boggled your minds how Adam could actually come to a place of naming all the animals? He had a sharp mind, didn't he? Now the Bible tells us that we have the mind of Christ. Yet what happens is in our walk with the Lord, very often our minds can be besieged by the enemy. How many of you know that? Your mind can be besieged by the enemy. You see, I was reflecting on my upbringing. I was reflecting on growing up, 70s, 80s, 90s, right? Growing up in Zimbabwe. And I was thinking to myself, there were times when we would develop a language where we could talk backwards. How many of you were there in those days? We could talk backwards. Where's Pastor Tuffy? I know Pastor Tuffy was there in those days, right? So if someone is playing basketball, instead of saying pass the ball, they would say sup the lob, sup the lob, sup the lob, sup the lob, Okay. Instead of someone saying, I'm booking out cribs, you know, cribs is home, right? They'll say, I'm cooping out cribs, right? They would talk like that, right? And it was actually a bit of a language. A guy could come to you and say, you didn't sup the lob. You didn't. I know where you anchor. I know where your crib is. And guys would speak like that to you, right? Backwards. But the point I'm making is we learned a particular language. And I realized that today, Today, if we're not intentionally renewing our mind to learn God's language, by default, we're learning another language. You see, what's happening right now is you're being brainwashed by the media. Our children are being brainwashed by the media, right? We're being exposed to the world's way of doing what it does. In psychology, there's a term called the psychology of thought suppression. You can't suppress your thoughts. You have to displace your thoughts with the word of God. You have to displace false ideas with the truth. If you just say, I'm not going to think this way, I'm not going to think of a polar bear, I'm not going to think of a polar bear, I'm not going to think of a polar bear. What are you going to be thinking of? A polar bear. Right? But if I say to you, begin to think of a, a, of a brown grizzly bear, and I don't mention what you shouldn't be thinking about, you'll think of a brown grizzly bear. 
Does that make sense? So many times we are trying to say, I won't think the world's way of thinking. Instead of actually saying, let me displace the world's way of thinking and change it to God's way of thinking. Is everyone following this morning? God is taking us to a place in our lives where we realize that renewing your mind is actually warfare. And my opening scripture is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 to 5. The Bible here says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Where are those strongholds? We demolish arguments. So what are we fighting against? There are certain arguments. Where are those arguments? It says, and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Where is that taking place, ladies and gentlemen? It's taking place in our mind. So that's where the battle is. It's a battle for your mind. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So as we talk this morning about renewing the mind, we are talking about demolishing arguments. We are talking about every pretension, every false idea. We are talking about every thought. That's where the battle is. Many people think spiritual warfare is about, you know, just commanding certain things in the heavenlies and saying, I cast you out, I cast you out of there, and nothing ever changes. Let me tell you something, where our battle is right now is here in our minds. And the way principalities, spiritual powers, wickedness in high places, the way they operate is they want to give you principles that are false principles of the world. And that's why where there's a principality over a city, there's a principal way of thinking over that particular city. And when we disciple people, we help to undo the wrong way of thinking and we bring in kingdom ways of thinking. Can I hear an amen? amen. And what we are learning is that everything has to go through the word filter. A regular conversation I have with my wife, often when we've got a question about a particular thing, we say to ourselves, what does the word say about it? What's the word filter concerning that particular thing? Amen. If we do not actively and intentionally renew our minds, then the default is that we will be brainwashed by the world. We'll be brainwashed by the world. So the question I have for you this morning is, what's your prevailing thought around family? If you haven't actively sought the word of God concerning family and a kingdom view of family, the default will be however you were raised. Your default will be whatever you watch when you're watching your favorite sitcom. What is your prevailing thought and pattern of thinking when it comes to money and finances? If you haven't actively pursued the word of God concerning money and finances, you'll go by the default that's brainwashing you right now. Are you hearing me this morning? You see, when we are passive and we are not engaged in renewing our minds actively, what typically will happen is we'll go somewhere else by default. So here's my question to you this morning. What is the factory default setting of your mind? What is the factory default setting? You know, the television, come on, you've all been there, right? You've all got smart TVs and flat screens and things like that, right? What happens? Factory default setting. We've all got smartphones nowadays, don't we? Many of us. Factory default setting. 
What I've realized is that a lot of believers come to church, they proclaim the word, they come to prayer meetings, they read a bit of the word, but when pressure comes, you'll always go back to your default setting. So what is the renewal of the mind? When a person surrenders their life to the Lord and becomes a believer, they're totally and immediately transformed in their inner person. Their spirit man is regenerated. Your spirit is joined with Christ's spirit and you're going to heaven. But renewal of the mind is where your soul gets sanctified. That's your mind, it's your will, it's your emotions, it's your thoughts, it's your imaginations, it's your intellect, it's your desires, it's your appetites, all of that. When I talk this morning about the heart and the soul and the mind, I'm talking about the same thing. And that has to catch up to the condition of my spirit. Is everyone following this morning? Let me explain it this way. Let me explain it this way. One of the principles I've learned is that the potential of my spirit is not limited just by my body. The potential of my spirit is also limited by the degree to which my mind is renewed. That's a very important point. The potential of my spirit, in other words, what my spirit will do while I'm here on earth is not limited just by my physical body. It is limited by the degree to which my mind has been renewed. Everyone following? Okay. You can have a fancy car, but if you don't know all the software... On that in that vehicle, if you don't know the technology of it, if you haven't read the manual, you will not experience the full benefits of that vehicle. Many of you have got fancy phones, S10s, iPhone Xs, S9 Pluses. But if you're like me, you're probably using maybe just 10% of its functionality. Amen? You can have a fancy phone, but if you're not getting the software upgrades that that phone needs... That S10 will function like an S7 edge. Amen? My mind has to be so renewed that I come to a place of fully believing the power of my spirit. You see, Jesus tells me that out of my belly, out of my spirit, shall flow rivers of living waters. Jesus tells me that the works that he's done, I will also do, but I'll even do greater. He tells me all those things. That's the potential of my spirit man. But I have to renew my mind so that I believe what Jesus is saying. When my mind catches up with what's happened to my spirit, that's when I see the results of having the born-again spirit. Is everyone following? Okay. If we look in scripture in Ephesians 4, verse 23 to 24, it says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. When you unpack this scripture, you'll see that I cannot put on the new man if my mind is not renewed. I cannot put, the new, put on the new man if my mind is not renewed. Romans 12 verse 2 says, and do not be conformed to this world. You see, that's the default. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is, what is it that is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. How do you prove the perfect will of God? You have to have a renewed mind. 
so that you walk in the perfect will of God. There are many people who say, Lord, I want to walk in your will. Lord, I want to walk in your will. But they're not thinking according to the mind of Christ. So they never get to a place where they fully experience the will of God. Everyone following that? All right? You see, we will only walk in his perfect will when our minds are renewed. Now you say to me, but Paul, what is all this about? You see, many of us have had bad experiences in our lives. And one of the things I've learned is that we're not destroyed by our experiences. We are destroyed by the story we tell ourselves of those experiences. It's the story you tell yourself about your experience. Because you can have two people who are in exactly the same situation, and one of them says, but I saw Jesus in my situation. And, and, and I'm going to use it to my advantage. And I'm going to learn from that experience. While the other person becomes a victim of their experience. Someone can have an experience in their childhood where they got abused. But now today they're ministering very powerful, powerfully to abused people. Someone else can be in a situation where they got abused and they spend their whole lives hating men. A woman can walk through this door and I can say to her, you know what, I would like you to work closely with, um, I'd like you to work closely with, with Tendai over there. And she can say, no, 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 give me Trace, give me Pastor Trace, please. And I say, but what's wrong with Tendai? He's such a gentleman. Both Tendais, such a gentleman, right? <laughs> They're probably wondering, which one is he meaning, which one is he meaning? <laughs> and she turns around and she says, no, Paul, um, all men are dogs. Question, are all men dogs? Okay, some of you aren't convinced. Some of you are thinking, well, it just depends what type of dog, Paul. Some are huskies, some are chihuahuas. It just depends, right? Now, here's the thing. Why does she say all men are dogs? Because of her experiences, right? Because of her experiences. We don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. So, she's got an unrenewed mind in this particular area. She's extremely sensitive in this particular area because of her bad experiences. Is everyone following? All right? I'm going to show you how this is so powerful in terms of deliverance. Let me give you another story. I remember coaching someone some months ago, and I said to this lady, what drains you? What drains you? This was in the pharmaceutical industry. And she said, you know what, as a working mother, right now we are renovating our house, Paul, and my kids drain me. My kids. My kids drain me. And I said to her, your kids don't drain you. My kids stress me out, Paul. No, they don't. And I said to her, the thing that is draining you and the thing that is stressing you out is a debilitating rule. Remember, we're talking about arguments, pretensions. A debilitating rule that you've created for yourself about what a perfect mother looks like. That's the thing that's draining you, not your children. And I said to her, you are trying to be a mother like your mother was. And her mom had passed away a few months before that. Her mom was a classic nurturer. She had been a headmistress at a particular school. She was a classic nurturer. And I said, you're trying to be just like your mom was. And then you feel guilty when you're not. That's the thing that's draining you. Debilitating rule you've created for yourself. Arguments, pretensions, strongholds, we're taking our thoughts captive. 
And then she said to me, Paul, you're so right. And it's not just my mother. It's also my sister. Because my sister is an occupational therapist. And she's always saying to us, you must do this with the kids. You must do that with the kids. And you must do this with the kids. And then I said, you know what? What your children need from you is how you are wired. Not how your mom was wired and not how your sister is wired. It's how you are wired. Because the principle is he's given us everything we need. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And I said, the type of parent your kids need. It's probably parents who enjoy working with their kids. And she said, oh, but I felt so bad about it because on Saturday we were just painting and we we're fixing this and we we're fixing that. And I felt guilty. And I said, but how did your children experience it? She said, they loved it. Is everyone following? Okay. She said they loved it. You see, some of you are always feeling guilty. Some of you are always in a place where you're feeling terrible about yourself. There's always a lie. There's always a misbelief behind negative behavior. Let me tell you another story. I remember coaching someone in a particular bank, and in the sessions, the person said to me, Paul, can you help me with assertiveness? I'm not assertive enough. We all know what assertiveness is, right? I can stand up for what I believe in, right? And I respect you enough for me to do it respectfully. So I'm not passive and I'm not aggressive, right? So this person said this to me, said, can you help me with assertiveness, please? And I said, can you give me a scenario? And the individual went on to say, you know what, Paul, I had one of my first meetings with my executive. And what was interesting about this was there were a number of other people in the room. I didn't say everything that I'd wanted to say, I didn't speak up, so I know I'm not assertive. And I said to this individual, what is the lie behind your quietness? You guys know the difference between shyness and quietness, right? There's nothing wrong with being a quiet person. You can be an individual who chooses to be quiet in a particular meeting, and it's a powerful space to be in because it was a choice you made. But if you're always leaving meetings, then you're kicking yourself, saying, they stole my points. I wish I'd said this. I wish I'd said that. That's shyness, and it's based on anxiety and fear. And many of you here have become friends with fear. So I asked this particular person, I said, what is the lie behind your behavior? And this is what the individual said. said, you know what, Paul? I had this belief that I'm not competent enough to speak out at this level. Thoughts, intentions, pretensions, strongholds. Everyone following? There's always a lie or a misbelief behind negative behavior. Whatever debilitating rule you've created for yourself, ask yourself, what lie have I believed? And then renew your mind based on it. So when this person said this to me, I then said, what are the counter arguments? In other words, what's the truth? And they said, you know what? I'm actually a specialist in my field and I'm more clued up than some of the people here. Just because someone is more senior than me doesn't mean that they know more than me about everything. And the person went on to say, in my former organization, I would actually speak to the directors and they would give me good feedback. Can you see what's happening? They were now displacing the lies with truth. One of the most powerful things to do when you're renewing your mind, we had a powerful message that my wife preached last week about the word of God, feeding yourself with the word of God. Do you remember that? Right? One of the key things to do is to then meditate on the truth. 
In other words, to utter and matter what the truth is and to displace the lies with truth. So what does God, what does God say about me? What is God's story in that situation? And it's amazing the freedom people find when they make a list of all the lies they've believed and then they make another list next to the lies of the counter-arguments. You know what saddens me? Often people have embraced lies as a part of their personality. The devil has tricked them. And they're like, no, this is just me. I know I'm just like this. No, it's just it's me. I know, Paul, we're not like you. We're different. You see, the devil wants you to think that you can't speak in front of people. Do you remember what happened to Peter and the apostles after they were filled with the Holy Spirit? After they were baptized in the Holy Spirit? What happened to them? There was the spirit of boldness that came upon them. Amen? What lies have you believed? What lies have you believed? They could be lies about yourself. There could be lies about other people, and there could be lies about the world. And I want to share with you what some of these lies are. Let me give you some examples, and you can make a loud sound if this applies to you. Common lies about self. I'm bad if they don't approve of me. That proves me, proves it. I'm less than others. I'm not as good as so-and-so. I must please others to be liked. I'm bad if I disagree. My opinions are not as good. I was doing a workshop recently and I had to publicly rebuke one of the individuals because she, she literally said sorry three times before she made her point. Uh, sorry, yeah, uh, sorry. And I said, why are you apologizing for speaking out your point? We're here to learn from each other. It's one thing if you're doing a keynote speech and it's just you talking. It's another thing if you're doing a masterclass or a team session and you're supposed to be discussing. So why is it that if I'm doing a workshop, someone apologizes three times before they speak their mind? I'm bad if I disagree. My opinions are not as good. I have no right to my opinions. I must get permission from others to do A, B, C, D. I'm bad if I fail. My plans will never succeed. I should defer to their beliefs even though I disagree. I need someone else to manage my life. I'm not capable enough. If I differ, I'm wrong. I could never teach him or her anything. What lies are controlling your life right now? What about lies about other people? They're all disapproving and critical. They're better than me. They will like me better if I'm compliant. They think that I'm wrong or bad for disagreeing. Their opinions are always right. They will think I'm bad for failing. They have no weaknesses. Can you see where I'm going? Our behavior that is negative, that is not God-honoring, is always linked to an area of our life where our minds have not been renewed. If someone is a perfectionist, I was speaking to a perfectionist recently, if someone is a perfectionist, a powerful question to ask them is, what's the misbelief behind your perfectionism? And very often it's, I need to be perfect in order to not be rejected. But often it's a lie, isn't it? I remember speaking to one person, I said, you will focus on all sorts of other things, but people will still find fault in something else that they value, but you don't value. You'll never be perfect for people because people are so fickle, aren't they? 
If we embrace truth, it's amazing the freedom that we get. Some lies about other people. They have no weaknesses. They've got an unfair advantage. Their life is smooth sailing. Ever had a chat with a friend of yours, then they open up about what they're going through, and then you think to yourself, oh, I didn't realize it. I thought you were the spoiled kid who had everything nice. Until they tell you their war stories. They never fail like I do. Everything is easy for them. They know what's best for me. They never feel this. They know everything. They're never this afraid or mad or sad. These are lies we believe. And we've also got lies that we believe about how the world works. An example of that is, conflict is bad. Someone always gets hurt. Those of you who avoid conflict, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? It's a lie you've believed. And you see this very often when people have grown up in families where there was discord between mom and dad. Because you see, as a baby is growing up, the way the baby interprets what the world is like is based on what the parents are like. Because that's their first experience of, this is the world. So if dad is horrible, harsh, always fighting with mom, that child very quickly learns the world is a dangerous place. Just hide. Because if you hide, you can protect yourself from daddy's anger. I was counseling some people. One of the individuals um, said to me, I always felt I was never good enough for my father. I have to just be perfect at everything. Otherwise, he'll find something to criticize. And I said to this individual, can you see what's happening to you? That's why you avoid conflict, because you believed a lie. You made an inner vow that, you know what? It's safer to just hide, because if people see me, there'll be something wrong. That's how the world works. You see, when you understand how the behavior was learned, it becomes easier to unlearn it. They say that the only fear that little babies have is the fear of loud noises and the fear of falling. All the other fears that we have have been learned. So when you understand that this fear I have of people, this fear I have of being the center of attention, it comes from somewhere. I was with a couple and they had their baby, lovely four-month little girl. It was a nice novelty for me. I've been blessed with boys, but it was a nice novelty for me. I was, as I was counseling this couple, I was just walking around with this little baby. I was just like, ooh, 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 ooh. One of the few times I felt broody. Ooh, 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 ooh. My wife wanted to, was thinking, can't we have more kids and so on? And I said, I'm kidded out. But anyway, uh, my kids know that. But the point I'm making is I had this little baby and I was able to speak into this couple's lives by saying, have you noticed that little babies like being stared at? I would stare at this little baby and this baby would be like, uh, uh, and you play games around that, don't you? And I say to them, but if I stare at you, what will you think? <laughs> if, very quickly, we learn that being stared at is not good. I remember when I was at junior school, we had a saying, if someone stared at you, you'd say, is this yours? Is this yours? <laughs> That's what you do. And then I noticed that South Africans really stare a lot. When I came to this nation, and they're not shy about it. And you see little kids. In fact, it happened, I think it was at a soccer match yesterday morning. I was there, I was talking to another gentleman, and this guy's just looking me up and down. Look at us up and down. One time at one of the soccer tournaments, I actually rebuked a kid. I think I told you guys, right? The guy was literally just looking me up and down, looking... I think he was looking at my kids, looking what they look like, looking. 
you know, staring and so on. I basically said, dude, what are you looking at? <laughs> it pushed a button of mine. Nothing, 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 nothing. No, you were looking at me up and down. What are you looking at? <laughs> so South Africans stare a lot, but we don't like being stared at. But little kids love the attention and they enjoy it. Where did we learn this behavior? Where did we learn fear? The Bible tells us that he's not given you a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So whenever you are in fear, don't embrace it as part of your personality. Say to yourself very quickly, this is not the born-again spirit. This is something else. This is not, this fear and anxiety is not part of my personality. And then you renew your mind based on the standard of the word of God. Can you see how I'm saying, here's the word of God. Let me apply that as the plumb line of my life. Not what people have told me. I'm hoping you're getting something this morning. So my question to you is, what are, what are the guardian lies that are empowering strongholds in your mind right now? Let me explain to you how demons often work. Demons are attracted to strongholds. What's a stronghold? It's a fortress that's built. It's a thought pattern that's built. It's a belief system in your mind. And demons are attracted to those strongholds. Strongholds are empowered. What are they empowered by? Guardian lies. Those are lies that protect the stronghold. Those are those arguments that exalt themselves above the knowledge of God. And the process of renewing the mind is getting back to a place of saying, whatever thought patterns I have, I want to change those thought patterns to be aligned with the word of God. Are you getting something this morning? Now, let me, let, me, let me go a bit deeper in this. Obviously, I love this topic a lot, but I have to discipline myself because we're just dealing with foundations, right? Let me go a bit deeper in this. If you are not exposed to the standard of God's word, you will go by the default of your cultural upbringing. So it's important to be actively engaging with the standard of God's word. So let me give you an example. Someone can come to me, maybe family members and so on, who see me praying. And they can be impressed and think like, oh, Paul, you really pray a lot. But you know what? Because I'm continuously exposing myself to God's standard concerning spirituality, and I'm reading books that have a very high standard, I know that I'm a baby. Are you, are, you, are you understanding? I've got friends who are very good at piano. They were some of the best guys in Zim. And one of them went to England and he said to me, Paul, in Zim I was amongst the best. But when I started living in the UK, there was another standard I saw there. Can you see what happens? You can think that you're really great at something if you're exposed to average. But if you continuously expose yourself to the greatest out there, it humbles you. So I might be there praying, 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 doing my thing, and I might be tempted to think I'm spiritual. But because of some of the material that I read, I want to show you this, just as an example. So there's a guy called Zeti Fumom. <laughs> my wife is familiar with him. He's late now, a guy from Cameroon. And there's a book I'm reading on personal spiritual revival, Okay. And one of the points he makes, he's talking about signs of immaturity in prayer. And he says, one of the signs, this is sign number 36. <laughs> he 
He says, there's no sense of direction during prayer. Rather, there's jumping from one person to another or from one place to another. For example, you pray, Lord, bless A and his family. And Lord, also bless B and her husband and children. And Lord, save C and D and E. Yes, Lord, baptize F into the Holy Spirit and give G a school. And to H, give him love for your word. Bless Holland and save souls there. Bless the other countries, Lord. Lord, move in Australia and India and all of Africa. Amen. Now, I don't know about you, but I sometimes do that. Okay? Can you see? So I might be impressed with myself saying, hey, I was praying for Holland, guys. Hey, I was praying for Australia. But I know that sometimes I don't go as deep into the prayer as I ought to. To pray until something happens, to push through, which takes longer. Then he goes on to say, this lack of capacity to dwell on one topic and pray it through with insistence betrays a real spiritual disease. That disease is called spiritual dwarfism. <laughs> okay, I'm just giving you an example. So if, you, if I'm continuously reading books like this, I can't be impressed with myself. Are you following? If we want to renew our minds, we need to keep exposing ourselves to the best in the world. We need to keep exposing ourselves to a high standard. And obviously the best is the word of God. So why is renewal of the mind so important? Renewal of the mind is important because our thinking, to a large extent, determines our behavior. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Our thinking determines our behavior. Not so? So my thinking needs to be sound according to the word of God, because if it's not, it will affect what I do. B, renewal of the mind is important because thoughts affect our motives, which will ultimately be judged by God. You see, when God judges a situation, he doesn't just look at what's happening in the externals. He looks at the heart. So all of us in this room could do the same movements when we're in praise and worship, right? We could, we could be raising our hands in the same way, moving in the same way, singing the same songs, but the impact of our worship is not the same. If you're talking about if God is to judge us individually, right? Because God always judges, it says in the book of Jeremiah, he examines the mind and he judges the thoughts of our hearts, right? To reward each man according to his conduct. Are you getting something this morning? Okay. And you know what? This also includes evil words that we speak over our lives. Um, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 18 to 19, it says... And this is a critical point. Renewal of the mind is important because sin stems from evil thinking. So it says here in Matthew 15, 18 to 19, but evil words come from an evil heart and defile the person who says them. Evil words come from an evil heart. Okay? For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all other sexual immorality, theft, Lying and slander. So when someone steals, it doesn't begin with the stealing, does it? There's a mindset of an unrenewed mind that results in that behavior. When someone is sexually immoral, it does not begin with that behavior. See, very often we focus on behavior instead of mindset. Evil deeds come from evil hearts, ladies and gentlemen. 
And you know what? It includes evil words that we speak over ourselves. I want to say to you this morning, you have no right to do so, even if it's over yourself. You have no right because you are God's property. You are God's property. You belong to God. So be careful what you say about yourself. You see, some people, when they mess up, what do they do? They hit themselves, right? Oh, Paul! I don't do that. But people do it. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. But we do that. We hit ourselves. How many of you would do that to your child if they just do something silly? We wouldn't do that to our kids, would we? We wouldn't just say, oh, silly, Jaden. But we do it to ourselves. Okay, maybe some of you would do that to your kids, right? Why do you do it to yourself? So we must be careful what we speak over our own lives. Your tongue is a rudder, isn't it? And directs your life. I like what Chris Vallotton says. Uh, he's a prophet from Bethel. He says, most of us would never talk to others the way we talk to ourselves. Most of us would never talk to others the way we talk to ourselves. Ah, I can never get anything right. Would you go and say, say that to someone? Okay, some of you might. <laughs> All right. D, renewal of the mind is important because our thoughts are exposed by God's word. In Hebrews 4 verse 12, and this is the scripture that my wife would have shared last week. For the word of God is full of living power. It is sharper than the sharpest knife, cutting deep into our innermost thoughts and desires. It exposes us for what we really are. And here's the power of this principle. This conviction comes to the degree to which I'm immersed in the word of God. If I'm not exposing myself to the word of God, guess what? That unrenewed mind just carries on. And my conscience even becomes seared because all I'm remembering and thinking of is what I was told culturally is correct as opposed to the word of God. Have you noticed that holiness comes as you go deeper into the word of God and you realize that this thing that I didn't think was sin last year, I'm now seeing that it's actually sin because I've seen something in the word of God that tells me that. That's the word filter. That's the word filter. So let's have a look at this. What is the state of man's mind apart from Christ? You want to hear about that? What is the state of man's mind apart from Christ? When your mind is not renewed, what is the state of man's mind apart from Christ? A, the unrenewed mind is defiled. In Titus 1 verse 15, it says, To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but even their mind and conscience are defiled. Have you met people like this? You say something innocent to the person from a pure heart. You know, you can say to someone, oh, that's a lovely outfit. The person is already thinking, is he making moves on me? What's going on? Why? Because the mind is defiled. I've been in a situation, I remember some years ago, I invited a couple to church. Okay, I invited a couple to church and so on. Then I got a message from the husband the one time. The husband was basically saying, yeah, please, never message my wife, because I messaged the wife. Never mes message my wife. Can you block her? Can you block her, please, from you? I'm thinking, dude, what's the story here? And I blocked her and so on. And he was basically saying to his wife, yeah, I think there, it, there was an agenda. He wasn't just inviting you to church. I think I invited both of you to church. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? 
To the pure, all things are pure. But when someone's mind is defiled, you will do something innocently and they will be thinking something else. The unrenewed mind is blinded. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 to 4. The unrenewed mind is blinded. Bible says, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. When people are not saved, it's because their minds have been blinded by the enemy. Think about it. When you got saved, when you got born again, you thought to yourself, but all these years I've wasted them. Why didn't I get this re revelation before? Your mind had been blinded. But here's the thing. When you are a Christian and your mind is unrenewed, there's a degree of blindness you walk in. There's a degree of blindness you can walk in as a believer. Think about it. For some of you, when you got the revelation of giving, of tithing, you're like, man, this is so powerful. And you now do it consistently. Prior to that, there's a blinding. Because your mind was not renewed in that particular area of your life. Everyone following? Okay. So there's a blindness. There's a scripture that my wife and I like a lot. Jeremiah 17 verse 5 to 6. I want to show you how blinding can work even in the mind of a believer. Cursed is the one who trusts in man. Some translations say who trusts in the flesh. Who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. Does it say prosperity will not come? It says they won't see prosperity when it comes. So how many of you know that there can be abundance around you right now, but because your mind is unrenewed and you're trusting in the flesh, you are looking in one direction. God is blessing you in another, and you don't see that blessing because of the unrenewed mind. There's a blindness that you experience. Often the way I live my life, I will, I will start off my day sometimes saying things like, I'm so grateful that I'm always meeting influential people that are taking my career to its next level. And guess what I'm always meeting and who I'm always meeting? Those people. I can see them. My mind is not blind to that. But other people will meet exactly the same people. But because of their minds being unrenewed in that area, the people who are a blessing to me other people see them as a curse. Other people are running away from them. The boss has come. Let's run away. While I'm thinking to myself, this is an influential guy. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity you've given me to talk to him. And a door opens. Blindness is a handicap, isn't it? It's a type of handicap in the sense of, remember when we used to watch Kung Fu features? We used to call them Kung Fu Future. Kung Fu Future. Remember when you used to watch those kung fu features? They used to be on Friday nights, right? And you'd have this great kung fu master, and he would handicap himself by blinding himself, right? He'd put, he'd put on um, something around his head, but he'll still beat up all the people even though he couldn't see them. Now, he could do that. He was the grand master. But you know that many of us are fighting this fight of faith, but with blindness, and we've got that blindness because our minds are not renewed. 
God wants to take us to a place in the spirit where we see. The more you go into the word of God, the more sight you have concerning certain situations. We call it revelation. Lord, I want revelation from you on how to break through that barrier. Lord, I want revelation from you on how to get into that nation that is difficult for me to get into. How many of you would like that in your life? I pray God that, I pray that the Lord opens our eyes that we would see. Can you see the relational assets around you? You know, sometimes you have someone working hard, working, 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 they're working on Excel, and they're struggling. And then someone comes and says, but your uncle is an expert at Excel. He can help you. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. They were blind to the relational assets around them. Some of you, there are people who's, who, who God has called to be a blessing to you in this church. But you are blind to that. Because your mind is still unrenewed concerning the blessing of the household of faith. So you focus on the negative and not on the blessing. Someone is getting something. Someone is getting something. May God open our eyes. Where we've been blind because of our pride, may God open our eyes. Where we've been blind concerning our weaknesses and our gaps, may God open our eyes. There was a guy in one of my seminars, and I said, so what are your weaknesses? And he says, hey, Paul, I'm struggling to see. I don't know what my weaknesses are. Here, I'm struggling to see. There's blindness there. You can be blind to your weaknesses. And so you become the person who never apologizes to their spouse because you just can't see it. I remember counseling a particular couple and the lady really wanted her husband to connect more. And the husband was like, I don't know, I'm not in touch with my emotions. I didn't grow up like that. I don't know, these emotional things, I'm, I'm, I'm just not, emotions. I, I just, he was blind to the need for emotional connection. When you, when you look at the standard of God's word and you see how Paul the Apostle communicated his emotions, when you see how Jesus communicated his affection and his emotions, very quickly you realize, I need to renew my mind around emotions. I'm not talking about emotionalism. I'm talking about emotional awareness. Two different things. Amen? The unrenewed mind is alienated from and hostile to God. Colossians 1 verse 21, it says, And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind, I love that, enemies in your mind, right? By wicked works, yet now he has reconciled you. So there's a battle for your mind. And my question to you this morning is, what thoughts do you have that are enemies of your destiny in God? What thoughts do you have that are enemies of your destiny in God. Very often it's lies. Very often it's lies that we've believed. D, the unrenewed mind is futile. It's futile. Psalm 94 verse 11, it says, The Lord knows the thoughts of man that they are futile. Elsewhere it says, that same verse in the NLT, it says, the Lord knows people's thoughts, that they are worthless. When we talk about thoughts, we're also talking about opinions. And many of us, when we have an unrenewed mind, we're so proud of our opinions, aren't we? You know those people, they're always talking and they're never listening, right? And their mindset is, oh, my opinion is so important. Everyone should listen to my opinions. And 
God says in his word, the Lord knows the thoughts of man, that they are futile. In my prayers, I want to recognize that, Lord, these are my plans, these are my thoughts, but I know they're futile. The thing that's going to work in my life is where I align my thoughts, renewing my mind, with your thoughts that are way higher. Because it's only your plans and your thoughts that will be fully established. Mine are futile. Do you ever have it when you've got people around you and you see what they're doing? It's like, what are you watching? What are you reading? What are you looking at? And what you're really thinking is, this is futile. This is worthless. Okay? Those of us who like soccer, I had to renew my mind. I was telling my wife, you know, after our team lost to a team that we should have beaten yesterday. Some of you are feeling me on that one, right? Right? One of my kids was angry, was so angry, didn't want to watch the end of the game. We're calling him back. We're like, what if we score? What if we score? Right? And I literally just went into my study and I began to worship Jesus. And I began to acknowledge that, Lord, you are so great. Lord, you are so mighty. And to just, to just acknowledge that, you know what? Whether a team wins or loses, let's be honest, stuff is futile. In comparison with the surpassing greatness of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, we have to put things back in their place. Otherwise, what happens is you end up depressed. It spoils your whole weekend just because your team lost. Let me tell you something. That guy who misses a penalty, he's still getting paid the same amount. Okay? Don't, don't, worry, don't feel sorry for their kids. Their kids... They, they, they're living it up. They're living large still. It's not like they're suddenly homeless because they lost a match. Are you hearing me this morning? Sometimes we get so worked up about things that are futile in comparison with the surpassing greatness of the knowledge of Christ. I remember one time I went to uh, my brother-in-law's house and he had his friends there and we were watching uh, the Springboks play. I remember it was a number of years ago, about five years ago, six years ago or so. And I was shocked because one of the guys watching, it's like this guy, is, I, I was concerned about his hernia or his, I, I don't know what was going to happen to him. Because, because the Springboks weren't playing that well. And you'd even say, don't give the ball to Ricky January, don't give him to Ricky, no, don't. People get worked up. And people don't understand that when you get so worked up and angry, you're actually injecting toxic chemicals into your body. That often stay there for a few hours, by the way. I made a decision at the start of this season. I said, I don't want to be too emotionally attached to how my team does. But it's so easy, hey? Three games into the season, you're already like... <sighs> trying to be a good example to your kids. Don't worry, guys. Don't worry. It's fine. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the ranch, you're like... I have to experience this. This is now spoiling my weekend. Let's renew our minds. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. And it's a daily process. You see, the unrenewed mind, E, the unrenewed mind is set on the things of the flesh. What is your mind set on? Romans 8 verse 5 to 7 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So when I was spiritually minded and began to worship Jesus, peace came. Peace came, saints. Peace came. 
Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So when we talk about mindset, we are talking about the default direction of your mind. Is it carnal or is it spiritual? When the Bible says, set your mind on things of the spirit, it's important to know what are those things of the spirit. And you can see it by what people talk about. There are a lot of Christians where you can see that they can talk a lot about a lot of religious activities, but they can't say much about Jesus because their mind is not set on spiritual things. Are you following this morning? The only way you can set your mind on Christ is getting to know him so that you've got lots of thoughts about him. Sometimes when I teach people on personal branding, I show them pictures of famous people. And it's interesting because the one time I showed people a picture of Lionel Messi and they're supposed to comment and say something. And one guy, I think he was quite a strong rugby guy or something, he was like, who's that? <laughs> and we laugh about that, but if I show you a picture of some famous golfer, many of you, you won't even know who the person is because you might not be into golf. You can only think a lot about someone if you've got personal experience of that person. The other day I was coaching an individual and I showed him a picture of Hillary Clinton. And he was like, ah, now who's this now? But then I showed him a picture of Tuli Madonzela. And he was like, yeah, strong woman. Yeah, uh, conviction, convict, strong convictions. Yes, will speak her mind about things. Brave. He had things to say about the person he knew about. The reason why, if we say, just think about Jesus, saints, and just begin to worship and begin to praise. Think about heaven. Think about the kingdom of God. Some of you will have lots to say. Some of you won't have much to say. So let's get to know him so that we can focus on him. For some of you, if I say, think about, for the next few minutes, think about Mahatma Gandhi. Those of you who've studied history will have lots to think about. Others of you will just be thinking, is this, yeah, is this a bold guy? I think he was an Indian guy with glasses. Yeah, bold Indian guy with glasses. And it stops there. And then some of you will say, Mahatma, who? Who's she? <laughs> okay. So let's set our minds on spiritual things. Here's a commitment we can make. Don't let anything else have more mind share than Jesus and his agenda for your life. Don't let anything else have more mind share than Jesus and his agenda for your life. It's amazing what happens. If the unrenewed mind is focused on earthly or temporal things, in Philippians 3, 18 to 19, it says, For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. My question to you this morning is, what is your mind set on? What is your mind set on? Earthly things, carnal things, or the kingdom? When you're thinking of prospering as you start that business, What's the primary motive? So what are some of the things that have influenced the way we think? Why do I think the way I do? A, 
our upbringing. If you were raised in a family where you are told children must be seen, not heard. In psychology, there's what we call transference. And you find yourself now, you're sitting on that manco. And what's happening? Children must be seen, not heard. You transfer your childhood experience onto the current situation. And now your bosses are the equivalent of your father. And so you'll just have a blank look on your face all the time, and you'll only speak when you're spoken to. You know what I'm talking about? Okay? B, our past experiences, both positive and negative. You see, if you've been mocked and ridiculed in your life, guess what typically happens? I can be mocked and ridiculed once, let's say when I was 14. The thing that damages me is the amount of times I rehearse that experience. Because then it's as if that thing happened to me a thousand times. What are you rehearsing? Be careful of what you rehearse. Be careful of what you rehearse. See, our education and religious training. If you're brought up in a traditional church where they don't believe in the baptism in the Spirit, guess what? We can teach it many times over, but your mind remains unrenewed in that area until you yield to the power of the Holy Spirit to transform that blockage that's blocking you in that area. D, our personal observations. Our personal observations. I've spoken to someone where they'll say, oh, I hate chauvinism. It's an emotional trigger for me. Like, why does it trigger you so much? And they might say something like, I grew up in a family, Paul, where the boys were treated so well in terms of their education, but the girls, we were overlooked. And resentment built up in me, and now it's a trigger in my life. You made a personal observation but it's now resulted in a perceptual distortion where you don't view the world accurately. So you're always competing with the boys. If a guy gets promoted, you're like, it's just because he's a guy. Instead of looking at yourself and actually saying, what do I need to tweak in my life? So you become sensitive in that area. E, our fleshly interests. F, our role models, particularly those we respect. Think about it. If you grew up respecting and admiring your father, what did your father always say to you about what is valued in life? I see many Christians. They're wonderful Christians today, but because they didn't get into the word in those particular areas, they've got idols in their lives. You ask someone, why are you pursuing this law degree? My father always wanted me to be a lawyer. But you're so good at maths and science. I know. So why are you doing this thing? My father said, you know, lawyers are the ones that become presidents of countries, so I'm just, I'm doing this because I want to become some great person one day. Then you fail your exams because there's no grace to do that because God hasn't called you to do that. So many people, they put all sorts of things so high, high they highly esteem all sorts of things because that's what their parents would always say, this is what's worthy of praise. When you do God's assignment for your life, God will always supply resources for his assignment, not your assignment, his. That's where the blessing is. That's where the favor is. Amen? We're also influenced by media, by the media. 
We're influenced by the media. You see, because the media... Let me, explain, let me explain how your mind works. Your subconscious mind, your brain, doesn't differentiate between fact and fantasy. That's why when you're watching that scary movie, what happens? You can say to yourself, I know that that guy actually acts in that comedy that I watched two weeks ago. So I know that this is just fiction. But what happens? You now go to bed, it's hot nowadays, your window's open, the wind is blowing the curtains, you're thinking that thing is going to jump into your bedroom, right? Because your subconscious mind does not distinguish between fact and fantasy. It sees it as real. So when people keep watching violence, when they keep watching immorality, when they keep, and they think, oh, but it's not going to affect me. I'm just fine. It's not going to affect me. We've seen when our kids play violent games or watch a violent movie, what do they do straight afterwards? They act it out. Ha, hoo, ha, ha. Like clockwork, you can see. And then when we say, guys, no screen time, no screen time, just go and read books. And we see the positive impact of that. So the media. So my question to you is, what are your children being exposed to today? And how is this unrenewing their minds? There's a battle for the mind. What is the goal of a renewed mind? A, our goal is to think like God at all times. Our goal is to think like God thinks about everything. In Isaiah 55, it says that, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Lord, I yield to you. I want to have your thoughts concerning God and government, your thoughts concerning kingdom business, your thoughts concerning church, your thoughts concerning men, women, and sexuality. Your thoughts, Lord. Because for too long we've been brainwashed by the other stuff. Make a decision to walk in the mind of Christ. B, our goal is to have the mind of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 2 verse 16, it says, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Isn't it amazing how Adam could name all the animals? How many of you have got exams this year? I want to encourage you. You have the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ is not limited to just what happens in church. How many of you know that as you yield to a renewed mind, you become smarter at school? There's a particular apostle in the East Rand, and he said that, you know what, guys, I got 30% for my matric. But as I prayed in the spirit and as I've renewed my mind and grown in the Lord, now I'm writing books. Now I'm speaking to lawyers, doctors, doing all sorts of amazing things. A well-known apostle. I'm just not mentioning his name. Amen? I know people who struggled through university, but now when they've been doing their MBAs and so on, they're getting distinctions as they've renewed their mind. You've been given the mind of Christ. Sometimes when we pray for our children as they go into exams, we say, Lord, may you bring to remembrance what they need to know. And those of you who are resisting what I'm saying, what did God do with Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? What did he do with them? It says he gave them an understanding of the language and the literature of the Babylonians. Were the, ba ba were the Babylonians godly people? The language and the literature of the Babylonians, was it nice, holy stuff? 
But God supernaturally gave Daniel and his friends understanding of it. God right now, and I'm now prophesying so you can receive it, but God right now wants to give you a supernatural understanding of the economy. He wants to give you a supernatural understanding of your industry so that you lead in your industry. He's giving you a supernatural understanding of money and how it works and how it will come to you. He's giving you a supernatural understanding of property and how it works, Paul. That Paul there, not me. I'm not speaking to myself, right? He's giving you a supernatural understanding of it. He's showing you, you know that you can use the prophetic when it comes to investing? As believers, we've got prophetic advantage, ladies and gentlemen. A supernatural ability, poor, to arrange music. There was a time I was in prayer and I said, Lord, I feel like doing some worship or listening to some music. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and he says, play some Beethoven. I looked for some Beethoven. I began to play Beethoven. And the Lord spoke to me and he says, I gave him that. I was so blown because I started to play this Beethoven and the presence of God was thick in the place in my study. And the Lord says, I gave him that supernaturally. He anointed Ohiliab and Bezalel. He anointed them for the building of the temple. Craftsmanship. Those of you who are artists, God can supernaturally anoint you for that. But it only happens when we yield and we have the renewed mind. In some of my workshops, sometimes I'll have three-day seminars. I remember one guy coming to me and saying, hey, the data you have, the amount of, we didn't know whether we should upload or download. They're seeing me not using notes, just flowing with my stuff on leadership, flowing. And after three days, I'll say to the guys, guys, I wish I had five days with you. And then people will say, yeah, you know, I think because of your academic background, you know, I'm thinking to myself, the stuff I was teaching you is not because of my academic background. How many of you know in Isaiah chapter 11, it talks about the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord? How many of you know that there's knowledge that we acquire, then there's the spirit of knowledge that you can tap into? Amen? Someone is getting this this morning. Someone is getting this this morning. So that's what our goal is. It's to have the mind of Christ. See, our goal is to experience true knowledge from God's perspective. In Colossians 3, verse 9 to 10, it says, Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. That is so powerful. D, our goal is to have a heart and mind that reflect God's standards and laws. In Hebrews 8 verse 10, it talks about this. And I'm not going to go into this. So I want to land this message by something very practical. And my wife started building this up last week. On a very practical level, how do you renew your mind? In the last five minutes that I have, I want to show you very practically what you must do. A, we must have a desire or hunger for a renewed mind. In Psalms chapter 19, verse 7 to 10, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect. That means it's sound and it's complete. So it's useful for anything. And it says, converting the soul. Some translations say, reviving the soul. Some translations say, restoring the soul. Turning back the soul. When we talk about soul here, we're talking about your desires, your passions, your appetites. The law of the Lord is perfect. It's whole. Converting the soul. 
So the starting point for mind renewal is being hungry for it. Hungry for the word of God. Amen? B, we must also receive the word with humility. So those arguments that are exalting themselves above the word of God, very often my wife and I will sit and we will say to each other, but what does the word say about this thing? And we have to be humble before the word of God. The Bible tells us where God says, I've exalted my word above all my name. C, we must yield to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I like Titus 3, verse 4 to 6. It basically says, I'm going to read from somewhere in the middle. It says, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. So the, the agent of God that does the renewal of the mind is the Holy Spirit. As we look at the word of God, as we repent and renounce all these, this wrong way of thinking, the Holy Spirit is invited and comes and renews us. Isn't that wonderful? D, we must commit ourselves to the reading of and meditation on the word of God. Not Eastern meditation, which is blanking your mind, but uttering and muttering the word of God. Right? In Psalm 1, verse 1 to 3, so powerful. And um, have a read of that in your own time. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18, I'm going to focus on this one. He says, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you. So that by recalling them, recalling those prophecies, you may fight the battle well. So how do I fight this battle? I go to what God's word has said about me. Amen? And I say to myself, what does the word say about me? I'm the apple of his eye. I'm the head and I'm not the tail. And I fight the good fight. I go to the word of God and I use that in warfare. Now, one of the ways you can do it is through affirmations. In 2004, I wrote these 28 affirmations. I was in Seattle at the time and I wrote these. I don't use them every single day, but a lot of these are in my spirit, in my inner person. And guess what I wrote? 2004. I wrote this, I am a reformer on our continent and love the way I've influenced people through my writings and talks. That's one of the things I wrote. It's one of my affirmations. I only did my first book in 2005. Can you see the power of this? When you make declarations over yourself, there are certain principles. You proclaim the word of God. That's why Paul, when he speaks to Timothy, he says, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. Don't just read the word quietly. Shout it out. Declare it. Put emotion to it. The reason why trauma affects a lot of people is because it's emotional. And emotions are basically the glue that sets in your thoughts and causes them to become belief patterns in your mind, neural pathways in your mind. So to undo that, to unstick that, when it comes to declaring the truth over your life, it's important to put emotion and passion to it. I am this. Amen? I stated it positively. I was passionate about it. I stated it in present tense. Not I will be. I am this. God is the I am. He's not the I was. He's not the I will be. With God, everything is present tense. So when you make declarations, say it as now. Not hopefully I will be one day. If the government doesn't change its idea on this, no. If you want to get something into your spirit, 
Declare it as present. Amen? Visualize it. See yourself. Visualize the word. See yourself healing those people. See yourself with a sharp mind doing well academically. And personalize the word. Don't just say, yeah, that was for the children of Israel. Say, I am this. You've called me to this. Amen? We must set our minds on things above, not on things below. And I love the word of God where it says in Colossians 3, 1 to 3, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. F, we must dwell on things that are true, right, and pure. Philippians 4 verse 8, we love this scripture. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Each time you're meditating on something which is not these things, rebuke it. It's not from God. And finally, we must maintain a daily or continual commitment to the process of renewal. It's a daily thing. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. It's a daily battle. How many of you are ready to do this? Renewing our minds so that they are aligned with God's thoughts. Let's pray. If you are here and you are saying, I want to make a commitment today to give my thoughts to the Lord, to worship Him with my mind, I want to take captive every thought, every intention, and every argument that is living as an enemy to Christ. I want to start that journey or I want to continue that journey. I want to take it to another level. And you want to make a commitment for that. To humble yourself before the word of God. And to say, I want to think in a renewed manner. I want my mind to catch up with my spirit. Just stand where you are. I'm going to close in prayer by praying for us. You've acknowledged this morning certain things in your childhood. And maybe you'll discuss them in your small group. And you're saying, these are lies I've believed. But I've made friends with these lies. But these are my enemy. They're an enemy to God's of God's plan for my life. Maybe they're things you've embraced as part of your personality. I'll always be like this. It's me. But it's not glorifying Jesus. Father, you see your people as they're responding to the word of God. Right now, I just activate your grace to work on our behalf, Lord, as we go on this journey of sanctification. May the lies in our lives, in our minds, be exposed in the name of Jesus. We choose to take ownership, to take responsibility for where we have believed lies and we've thought it won't affect us. And we choose today to replace them with the truth of your word. Expose us to your word, Lord God. Expose us to your truth, Lord. Make us sensitive to the lies that we've believed, Lord. 
we submit ourselves to you now and we say we want to walk with a renewed mind in Jesus mighty name and the people of God said Amen and amen. Hey, E-Family, online family, that was a great message, wasn't it? We really want to fill the globe with all this teaching. Our passion is to raise leaders and release reformers. So if you want to tap into more of these teachings, you can go to www.gochurch.co.za. And I think you'll really be refreshed and reformed as you go through our materials. Well, if you enjoyed that message, click subscribe and also share with your friends, with your enemies. Don't forget, we've got the live feed that takes place 9.30 every Sunday morning.